This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, and welcome to Ask Us Anything, where popular science answers questions you'd otherwise have to look up in your grandparents' old encyclopedias. I'm Stan Horacek, a senior editor at PopSci, and I'm your guest host this week. And I'm producer Jess Bodie. Stan, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm always stoked to be here. Yeah, yeah. Listeners, you probably remember Stan from his episode earlier this season about how to look more photogenic in pictures. And today we're going from selfie screens to silver screens. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, uh, I'm here to share some tips for finding the absolute best seat in any movie theater. Going to see movies has gotten absurdly expensive, and that's just for the ticket. Toss in a $25 commemorative Doctor Strange popcorn bucket or two, and you can blow your whole entertainment budget for the month on a single night out. So you want to make sure you're getting your money's worth. No one wants to spend the whole movie craning their neck, straining their eyes, or getting their teeth rattled by a surround sound speaker. So I'll share my best tips for enjoying that sweet movie magic after a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. And we're back. Stan, you're about to tell us how to pick the perfect seat of the movie theater. Um, I personally like to sit like kind of towards the back and at the edge. So like if there's like room kind of like where the walkway still is, I can stretch my legs into the aisle. Uh, And that always like works for me, but I don't know if I'm like super picky. Um, And I'm kind of (laughs) guessing that you're going to say it's probably not the best. No, actually, a a large part of it is about personal preference. Um, Okay. But, you know, (laughs) you are kind of wrong a little bit Uh, (laughs) so like if you ask the major movie chains you know where the best seat in the house is they'll give you this very predictable and diplomatic answer about how they you know work hard to make sure every seat offers a premium experience right right yeah so it's it is hard to imagine amc admitting out loud that the front row seats actually suck (laughs) (laughs) yeah no exactly and i'm sure there are some people who really like those seats but right uh, it's increasingly true that every seat in the theater is at least decent, where that absolutely was not the case before. Um, The big theater chains rely on technology from companies like Dolby, THX, Sony, and IMAX to dial in their audio systems and projectors to sound and look as good as possible in the layout that they set up. That's a surprisingly tricky task. Okay, so every seat sounds and looks better than it used to, but we all know the experience still varies a lot depending on where you plop down. So where are the best seats in the house? So historically speaking, you'll want to sit about two thirds of the way back into the theater and aim for a seat in the center, right between the aisles. Okay. And what about that spot makes it work so well? Uh, We'll start with the picture. So if you're relatively old, like I am, or you have some older (laughs) movie theaters near you, uh, you'll know that theaters didn't always have this intense stadium seating like they do today. Uh, The chairs used to kind of sit on the ground on a gradual slope that sort of 
you know, it made sure that nobody's head blocked you for the most part, unless they wore like a big hat or something like that. But generally, everybody was kind of sitting below the screen looking up at it. With today's standard of stadium seating, instead of that slow and steady slope, you have each chair sitting roughly 12 to 15 inches above the one in front of them. This raises people much higher relative to the screen than used to be the norm. While this generally improves visibility throughout the room, it also creates more variability when it comes to the level of your eye line. Now, some people are sitting well below the screen while others are sitting at the top of it. That's a really big disparity. Ideally, you'll sit in a place where your eyeline roughly meets the equator of the screen so you can track the action with your eyes instead of having to turn your head to follow it. Yeah, that makes total sense. I didn't realize that I think that changed so much. Um, but it seems like you want the screen to look big, but not too big. Absolutely. Yeah, it's actually very similar to how you should be watching TV at home. A THX employee once explained to me that the best way to pick a TV for your space is to measure the distance between where the screen will be and where you'll be sitting to watch it. Then you multiply that number by 0.83. Or think oh about boy. it. Yeah, it's a little complicated. You can also think Math. about it as uh, <laughs> multiplying the size of your screen by 1.2 and then sitting that many inches away from it. That equation tells you what screen size will roughly cover 40 degrees of your field of view, which is great for mixing eyeball comfort and a sense of immersion. Across the whole theater, that number varies and can go up to 60 degrees if you're sitting up front and down to 36 degrees for viewers in the back. Which one you really like is your preference, but 40 in the 40s or 50s is generally the most comfortable and exciting. Right. Okay, yeah, definitely something to keep in mind next time you're hunting for a new TV, too. Um, but I don't think I'm going to bring a tape measure to my local movie theater to crack the code there. <laughs> no, I imagine that's the kind of thing that gets you banned for life or at least on yeah. some kind of list. Uh, but luckily <laughs> just guesstimating with the two thirds rule I mentioned is totally fine. Uh, it's also worth noting that some premium movie experiences throw a serious wrench in those numbers. Anyway, you might end up with a worse spot if you try calculating the best location. IMAX screens, for instance, stretch from the floor to the ceiling and take up a much larger portion of your field of view. A typical IMAX screen is roughly 72 feet wide by 52 feet high, which is gigantic. Uh, and they huge. Can, yeah, they can go all the way up to 100 feet high if you go to one of the biggest ones. With that wow. much surface area, the screen needs to be curved in order to bring everything into your view and then fill your peripheral vision without warping the image. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I guess I never knew the numbers, just like how massive IMAX screens actually are. Uh, it seems like it'd be a workout to watch everything happening. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, directors shooting for IMAX have to take that into consideration when they're making their movies. I interviewed veteran IMAX format movie director Stephen Amazdraz a few years ago, and he explained that there are certain shots he's learned to avoid. One example is where an object comes into the frame, then moves quickly across the entire picture and zips out the other side. That kind of motion is literally physically uncomfortable for viewers uh, in an IMAX theater. But even if you're not in an IMAX theater, that same idea still applies if you're sitting too close to the screen. When you're in that front row, you have to keep your head on a swivel just to keep Spider-Man in your sights. Yeah, yeah. It kind of reminds me of gaming monitors, too. Like, in the beginning, when I was building my first gaming rig, I thought, oh, I'm going to get a huge monitor. It's going to be awesome. And then the more I read, it's like, oh, it's actually worse for gaming because you have to, like, spend time turning and looking at things on your screen. Um, but, yeah, I mean, back to the theater. The front row seat, I would never choose to sit there even in a regular 
movie theater. The picture looks so distorted and then your neck hurts and then it also kind of looks washed out sometimes. Yeah, it absolutely does. So the movie screen's job is literally to reflect light coming from a projector back to the audience's eyeballs. In the early days, screens relied on metals like silver, hence the name silver screen to handle this. Uh, Modern screens often use a vinyl substrate with a semi-reflective coating to kick those light rays back at viewers. If you're sitting in the middle of the theater, that works pretty perfectly, but sit too far off to an angle and you may not get the full effect. Combine that with the perspective distortion that comes from being that close, and you're probably better off just watching a movie at home. Yeah, that's so cool. I, I really never thought about what movie screens are made out of. I don't think most people have. In fact, I'd venture to guess that most people don't know that movie screens in your local theater are covered with thousands of tiny little holes either. <laughs> tiny holes? Why Why are there tiny holes? Yeah, so unlike a speaker system at your house, <laughs> theaters actually stash several speakers directly behind the screen. It's generally a center channel oh. and a couple of uh, side speakers, but it can be more or less depending on the setup. Punching tiny holes in the screen makes it acoustically transparent, uh, There's which means that the sound can go through without getting muffled. Um, some screens have more than 5,000 little holes per square foot. That's wild. I love that. Um, and that's also a good segue into talking about sound. Uh, are those middle seats, two-thirds of the way back, also the audio sweet spot? Yeah, so generally audio, you're going to have better across the theater experience no matter what. That sweet spot still exists in the middle, but it's much less pronounced than it used to be. Uh, the difference in sound performance used to vary a lot from seat to seat, but audio engineers have worked what seems like literal magic to increase fidelity across the board. They have a lot of variables to control. Depending on the theater you attend, there could be anywhere from a dozen speakers up to 40 plus speakers found in an IMAX setup. That's a lot of speakers. <laughs> yeah, it's more than you might imagine. And the sheer firepower doesn't always translate into great performance. The technology behind the audio systems makes a huge difference. If you're sitting closer to a speaker, it's going to sound at least a little louder than a speaker farther away, and that can have an effect on the intended surround sound effects. Engineers have to keep all those speakers working in concert in order to provide enough power to make the big sounds like explosions seem satisfying without drowning out the dialogue. They also have to provide convincing surround sound to immerse you in the movie. While the middle is generally a safe bet in terms of sound, theaters relying on THX, Dolby, and IMAX typically do offer solid performance in just about every seat. But there are outside elements that can come into play. Sound bouncing off of hard surfaces like walls or floors can affect their performance. And if a theater doesn't keep up its sound system, they can get out of whack and deliver subpar performance for part or all of the theater. For smaller indie theaters, it can be charming. But for big mega theaters, you want everything to sound as pristine as possible when you're watching Top Gun jets fly directly towards your face. Right, exactly. Uh, and, and speaking of surround sound and other supercharged audio... Uh, it sounds like there's a ton of variation in audio power from theater to theater. So how can I make sure I'll get all the bells and whistles when I go to see something where it'll make a difference? Like, for instance, a big Marvel movie. Yeah, great question. So when you're buying your tickets, you'll likely see a ton of jargon attached to the listings that try to indicate what kind of visual and audio experience you can expect. But as the available theater technology has changed and expanded, those notes have gotten increasingly tricky to decipher. To use just one theater as an example, Regal offers IMAX theaters in its chains, as well as another premium experience called RPX. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've heard of RPX. I never know what it meant. <laughs> uh, so both standards promise upgrades in picture and sound over a typical digital projection theater, but figuring out the nitty-gritty details can be tricky. For instance, RPX supports Dolby's very excellent Atmos surround sound technology, but you'll need to make sure the RPX theater you're going to actually has the equipment required to provide the full experience. 
Look for the Dolby Atmos label on the page when you're buying tickets to be sure. Generally speaking, those premium theaters will give you a better overall experience than the standard ones, but the difference between the two varies a lot. Opting for certified experiences like Dolby Cinema, RPX, or IMAX will typically ensure more oomph for the cash. But like you said, I really only think it's worth the money when I'm expecting a lot of explosions. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it seems like you could very easily get mega confused trying to decide which theater tech was the absolute best option. But I definitely feel ready to make the most out of my next trip to the movies. Yeah, just don't spend all your money on Doctor Strange popcorn buckets. Uh, but I'm glad <laughs> you I have to help. tell me twice. Yeah, and then uh, avoid sitting behind anyone with a tall hat, and then uh, because there's no amount of Dolby certified surround sound that's going to fix that. Right. Okay. Noted. Thanks. Thanks for the tips, Stan. Got a question for the editors at Popular Science? Send an email to ask at popsci.com. Ask Us Anything is produced by the editors of Popular Science. This episode was written and reported by Stan Horacek, with additional reporting by Eric Alt and editing and audio engineering by me, Jess Bodie. Big thanks to Billy Cadden for writing our theme song and to Katie Belloff for creating our logo. If you like our show, consider rating it on Apple Podcasts and leaving a review. It helps us out a lot. For more PopSci Audio content, be sure to check out our sibling podcast, The Weirdest Thing I Learned This Week. Thanks for listening.